appreciate the way that uh, you've joined in tonight in our singing as well as our services this morning. I think all of our song leaders do an outstanding job uh, with their song selection, and I appreciate the encouraging way in which you join in in our song service each and every time. This morning, we begin by looking at 1 Kings chapter 20 and verse 28, where we find the Syrians having the attitude that the Lord is God of the hills, but He's not the God of the valleys. And thus, the man of God tells the king of Israel, Therefore, I will deliver this multitude into your hands. And this morning, we emphasize the fact that there are hills and there are valleys in life. There are times when we are on cloud nine, if you will. Things are going so well for us. And then there are those times when we become depressed. We become very discouraged, despondent. We may even sincerely question our faith in God and, and wonder if living the Christian life is worth the effort. And I believe some of the best illustrations that we can possibly find anywhere regarding this principle that God who made the hills and made the valleys, that God who will be with us when we're on the mountaintop as well as down in those valleys, that that God not only will be with us, but when we look at some of the great characters of the Bible, common, ordinary individuals, flesh and blood like you and me, I think we can draw a lot of encouragement when we see that these individuals who were down in the valley didn't stay there. They made the right decision. You know, when you're down in the valley, the only place to go is up. And I want us all to be encouraged today to realize that when we find ourselves down in the valley, let's realize that God loves us, He cares about us, and He will bring us from that valley of despair and discouragement. This morning we looked at the example of Elijah the prophet, we talked about Elijah and some lessons that we can learn from his life. Tonight, I want to begin by looking at someone that may not be considered very, very prominent in the Lord's church, and that is John Mark. From 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 13, evidently, Mark became a Christian because of the influence of Peter, because Peter refers to him as Marcus, my son. But here was a young man that... I believe, had a lot going for him. He was a young man that became highly respected in the body of Christ. In fact, he was respected so much that he was selected as one to go on that first missionary journey in Acts chapter 13. Now, the Bible informs us in Acts 13 and verse 13 that for some reason in Perga, John Mark turned around and went home. He left. The Bible does not go into any detail as to why John Mark may have left on that journey. But the point is, here's an individual that had obeyed the gospel. 
He seemed to be so energetic, so enthusiastic about saving souls and sharing the gospel with those who did not know the good news. And now, for some reason, whatever it is, apparently not a good reason, the Bible says John Mark turned back and he went not with them to the work. Now you'll recall in Acts 15 and verse 37 that when that second missionary journey was about to get underway that evidently John Mark had repented. He had changed his life. But Paul did not want to take John Mark on this second journey. Paul was apprehensive about Mark's involvement in this particular trip. Barnabas, you recall, was determined to take John Mark. And we read in the Bible in Acts 15 how that the contention between Paul and Barnabas became so sharp over this situation with John Mark that they parted company. And Barnabas took John Mark just like he had determined to do. Now, what's the point? The point is, is that Mark, for what appears to be not a very good reason at all, turned his back on the Lord and on Paul. But John Mark realized down in the valley that turning his back on the Lord turning his back on Paul and Barnabas was wrong. And apparently, he changed his life. Down in the valley, he realized he was wrong and he made a drastic change. In fact, when Paul was very near death itself, Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, he said, take Mark and bring him with you. Why, Paul? For he is profitable unto me for the ministry. Now, folks, it may very well be that some here tonight have perhaps done like John Mark. You know, there's no doubt in my mind that John Mark had the very best of intentions. John really desired to serve the Lord, but for some reason, perhaps circumstances, maybe pressure from around him, whatever the reason was, John turned back. But I'm thankful that John didn't stay down in that valley. John Mark made the right decision. He repented of his sins. He was restored to faithful service, and he was one that was found by Paul to be very needful in the work of God. And so you see, when we go through those valleys, maybe we've done some things that, that we are somewhat ashamed of. We don't have to stay down in that valley. We can come up out of that valley with the help of God and, and we can again know the joy of faithfully serving the Lord. Let's focus a lot of our attention tonight, if you will, on Peter. You know, Peter by, by nature was, 
one who was always very zealous, very impetuous. Peter was one that seemingly was overconfident. My mind immediately goes to Matthew chapter 17 and verse 4 in particular about the Mount of Transfiguration. And there Peter had the privilege of observing Moses and Elijah appearing there on that mountain with the Lord to strengthen him during the ordeal he was about to go through. And boy, Peter jumped right on that situation. He said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Let's make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Then there's that voice from heaven. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Hear ye Him. In other words, you're not to equate Moses and Elijah with Jesus Christ. I want you to hear the words of Jesus now and forever. We think about Matthew chapter 26 and verse 31. That fateful night in which our Lord Jesus Christ was betrayed, Jesus said to His disciples, All of you, all of you, are going to be offended because of me this very night. Now, Peter, he just didn't believe that at all, did he? I mean, he didn't believe those words at all. He said, Lord, that's not true. All people may be offended because of you. Even these other guys around me may be offended because of you. I'll never be offended. Now, Lord, it's true. I may have to die for you, and I'm ready to die for you. But you can mark it down and take it to the bank. I will never deny you. And of course, in Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75, after our Lord was betrayed and arrested, we know how Peter was in the outer court of the high priests. And we know how someone said, Surely you were also one of his disciples. The Bible talks about Peter denying that. Three different times he was accused of being a follower of Jesus Christ. And Peter did everything that he possibly could, cursing and even swearing to disassociate himself with Jesus Christ. Can you imagine that? Peter, just that very day, saying, Lord, there's one thing for sure, I'll never deny you. I might die for you, but I won't deny you. And just a few hours later, he's cursing and swearing, saying, I don't even know who Jesus Christ is. And the Bible records those words of how the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. I've always wished I could have a Polaroid of that particular Look, what a look it must have been. And when the Lord turned and looked upon Peter, 
Peter was convicted of his wrong, and he went out and he wept bitterly. Now you talk about being down in the valley. I don't know how anybody, spiritually speaking, could be in a deeper valley than Peter was at that particular time. Oh, how embarrassed he was. How his heart was broken. It, it just tore his heart up to think that he had forsaken the Lord in the time when the Lord needed him the most. And I think it's significant that the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. But I'm thankful that Peter was the kind of person that we can learn from. Peter would not stay down in that valley. I think Peter learned a lesson down in that valley that helped him as long as he lived. He learned down in that valley that he needed to put the Lord first in his life. And he wasn't always perfect then, was he? We think about the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and who was the principal speaker on that day. It was Peter. I think if this happened in modern times, we probably wouldn't even have allowed Peter to serve on the Lord's table after what he had done just 50 days previously, would we? The very idea. And yet now Peter is the chief spokesman He's proclaiming that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He said in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made this same Jesus, whom you've crucified, both Lord and Christ. Over in Acts 3 and verse 13, Peter would preach fearlessly to those people. He said, You have denied the Holy One and the Just One. Peter, I thought you denied him as well. Yes, I did. But Peter repented. Peter changed his life. Peter would say in the words of Acts 4 and verse 20, We cannot but speak the things that we've seen and heard. He said we ought to obey God rather than men. Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. Doesn't it seem like now that Peter's on the right track? That Peter seems to have everything in proper order and perspective in his life? But folks, we need to realize that Peter is a human being just like you and just like me. And he messes up again, doesn't he? We turn over to our Bibles in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 11. Peter, an apostle, a leader in the early church, Paul said there, when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face. Now, I would have loved to have seen that confrontation, to see how Paul handled that difficult situation. Paul said he was to be blamed. And here's the reason in verse 12. He said before that certain came from James, he ate with the Gentiles. And of course, Peter worked with the Gentiles, preached to the Gentiles. And before certain came from James, Peter was fellowshipping with the Gentiles and eating with the Gentiles, treating them as equals. But Paul says when they were come, 
Peter withdrew himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. Peter was scared of what others would think about him if they saw him eating with the Gentiles. Here again is that old racial question coming up again, the Jew-Gentile situation. Now, Peter realized that God had put no difference between Jew or Gentile or any person on this earth. We even remember the words that Peter said to Cornelius, of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Peter knew the facts of the case. But you see, that didn't change the fact that when Jews came from Jerusalem, and Peter knew that, that Peter got away from the Gentiles, he wouldn't associate with the Gentiles, he was worried about what those Jews would think. Here he is, once again, back in the valley. Publicly rebuked before the entire church. Paul says, I withstood him to the face. It was done in a public way. And don't you know how embarrassed Peter was? But how did he take what Paul said to him and did to him? Did he resent it? Did he get mad about it and, and just walk away? No. Peter wasn't the kind of man that was going to stay down in the valley. He just climbed back up and repented, and he became and remained what we know was a faithful and dedicated child of God, one that finally gave his own life for the Lord. But I'm saying this to point out to you tonight that that's the way life is. That's the way our lives are. And when we find ourselves down in the valley, particularly because of sin, we need to have the courage to repent to change our lives, to come up out of that valley and do what Peter did and make our lives right. But you know, I think the same thing was even true in the life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Over in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, you'll recall how that the Lord delivered that great sermon on the mount. It just seems like that the words just flowed so beautifully from the mouth of the Son of God. And when the Lord was through teaching that powerful sermon, the Bible talks about how that the people were astonished at His doctrine. They, they realized the Lord taught them as one having authority. Matthew 7 and verse 29. Over in Luke chapter 7, we can observe how our Lord raised the dead. In Luke chapter 8, our Lord could say to a storm, Peace, be still. And immediately, the wave ceased and there was a great calm. Our Lord could walk by and He could heal the sick. He could raise the dead. He could make the lame to walk, the blind to see, the deaf to hear. Our Lord did many marvelous works 
John said the books could not even contain, all the books in the world could not contain all the wonderful things that our Lord accomplished. And yet I think at times our Lord's humanity was very obvious. I think our Lord could become discouraged. I think about Matthew chapter 23 and verse 37 when the Lord came to Jerusalem for the last time. He would say in the words of verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that stonest the prophets and killest them that are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. But ye would not. We remember in the Garden of Gethsemane the despair that our Lord was feeling, the anguish, the pain. The Bible talks about His sweat becoming, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. And in Matthew 26 and verse 39, He prayed, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. And even there on that old rugged cross, as our Lord was suspended between heaven and earth with those nails in His hands and in His feet, He cried out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, even with all of His divinity, all of His holiness, all of His power, our Lord was also human. Now, our Lord never did sin. Our Lord never transgressed God's law in any way. He did no sin. Guile, deceit was never found in His mouth. But we need to realize that our Lord faced discouragement. And our Lord understands us today when we face those times of discouragement. But you know, this can apply to us in such a very practical way today. And I hope we'll think about this. So many times we really enjoy working for the Lord. We don't mind going out and visiting somebody and maybe knocking on doors or, or we're really excited maybe to try to encourage somebody who's discouraged or or maybe somebody out here has become unfaithful to God, and, and we don't mind going out, realizing that we need to restore that individual in the spirit of meekness. Coming to worship services seems to be very exciting. We're enthusiastic about singing praises to God. We, we want to be a, a good influence for those round about us. And then there are those times when we sort of lose interest when being a Christian becomes somewhat of a burden, when coming and attending the services of the Lord's church really takes all the effort that we can muster. We say, you know, I'm just not getting hardly anything out of the services. And sometimes we blame the song leader, we blame the preacher or whatever the case may be, instead of looking in the mirror. 
We get down in the dumps. We get down in the valley. We, we don't spend much time, if any at all, in Bible study. We pray to God so very little, if any at all. You see, we get down in the valley. But we need to realize today that when we get down into that valley, just like these individuals that we've talked about today, we don't have to stay down there in the valley. That we can change our lives just like that prodigal in Luke chapter 15. He said, I will arise and go to my father. Now this young man was in the lowest of valleys, eating the very slop the pigs did eat. And he says, I don't have to do this anymore. He came to himself. That's the first part of repentance. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired servants. I sinned against you. I sinned against God. And now I want to be made right with God. You see, when we fall, when we fail, and we sometimes do, there's only one way to go, and that's up. Now, I want to ask you tonight, as we are just about to sing of a song of encouragement, where do you find yourself right now? You know, none of us can be on the mountaintop all the time. If you were to take away the mountains... There wouldn't be any valleys. If you were to take it away the valleys, there, there wouldn't be any hills, would there? It's just a part of life that there's going to be those hills. And there's going to be those valleys. And the lesson I need to learn tonight, the lesson I need to take home with me, is the fact that when the situations in my life become such that I find myself down in the valley... I need to resolve that I'm not going to stay there. But I'm going to come up out of that valley. And with God's help, I'm going to be a faithful, effective servant in His kingdom. Tonight, the Savior's invitation is extended to you. You may be in the valley of sin tonight, outside of Christ. There's only one way for you to come up out of that valley of sin, and that's obeying the gospel. That's by having faith in God, faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Realizing that you need to change your life as you repent of your sins. That you need to confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Son of God, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And then you need to understand that you can be baptized into Jesus Christ, Galatians 3 and verse 27. The Bible tells us that act of baptism will wash away your sins, Acts 22 and verse 16. The invitation tonight is yours. If you need to respond, please come now while we stand and sing.